Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann, the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. We're talking tequila on a Monday morning. I can't even wait. Um... On the podcast today, you probably heard of Inspiro Tequila. Their founder, CEO, Mara Smith is on. Mara, so great to have you on the podcast. So great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Um, thank you for making the time. I was looking forward to today and hearing your story. Had fun checking out your product. And like I, I always love to unpack as we talked about before I hit record. You know, like what's the background? Like, how did we get here? And your background's unique and different. So um I can't even wait to get there. Uh, we're talking again in Spiro Tequila, inspirotequila.com. You can check out their site. Um, Mara, how about share a little bit about you and your background before launching into the alcoholic beverage space. Yes. Clearly, this is a major deviation. <laughs> right. My, Explain to our audience. My original, <laughs> yes, my original uh, path. So, uh, yes, I um, actually graduated um, undergrad with a business degree and and, and got my CPA. Um, so kind of just shows I went a very conservative route, um, accounting, then went to law school and practiced law at a large law firm for many years in Chicago. Um, then I switched and wanted to go back on the business side. So I went to work in corporate strategy at a fortune 500 company. Um, so all of those things kind of a little more, a linear path of working at big corporations sure. and things like that. And then, um, ended up on emergency bed rest when pregnant with my twins. And that really cut my corporate career short very quickly and abruptly, um, had preemie twins and then made the decision, fortunate to be able to, to have that option, but I made the decision to stay home. So I was actually, prior to this, a stay-at-home mom for 16 years, wow. but always thinking about what was next, always thinking about starting a company. Um, and I think I finally became a little more risk tolerant, I guess, because in the you know my prior jobs, um, a little less um, risky. So... That's kind of how this all transpired, and I knew it was going to be um, a consumer product. I am a super consumer. I love trying new products. I Me love too. new uh, food and drink products. So I knew it was going to be, um, you know, an actual physical product. I didn't want to be in the service industry anymore. So, and how it became tequila is I've been a tequila drinker for years, and unbeknownst to me, everything I was drinking contained a ton of additives. And I had no idea that everything I was drinking. I thought I was drinking kind of like a better for you adult beverage. Right, um, right. Sounds so like better. Of, and then? And then, so once I discovered that, there's kind of two things I discovered. One, that everything I was drinking had additives. So I really was looking for an additive-free um, brand. The other thing is that so many women kept telling me that they're tequila drinkers. And I just kept thinking, okay, if all these women drink tequila, that's their drink of choice. Why our spirits brands not focused on this consumer? Like, why is this really relevant consumer overlooked in the industry? Sure. And it was merging those two things together, figuring out something that would be, you know, customer centric based on a consumer that I really know very well and has a lot of purchasing power and is not represented on the shelves very much. Um, and also wanting to create something that was added to free and a cleaner option. 
Sure. No doubt. Um, so a lot of um, activity in this space, right? We talked about it before we hit record today. How did you decide, uh, once you decided, I'm, I'm going to do tequila, I think this is an interesting space. I love consumer products, but you had not made a product before, right? Let alone an alcoholic beverage product. So like, where did you begin? Yes, it's a lot. It was it took a lot, a lot of research. <laughs> right. But one, I had impeccable timing. I found the company in February of 2020. So before the entire world shut down it became impossible to actually go to Mexico for production or to find distilleries. So I had to do all this virtually. Um, I just started studying the category. The first thing I did was reading everything I could, getting, get my hands on about the production of tequila. I actually took a course offered by the CRT, the governing body in Mexico for tequila um, and became certified in the history and production of tequila. I studied the spirits industry and, and beverage alcohol industry in general to understand you know, there are a lot of complexity complexities. It's highly regulated. There's a three-tier distribution system. I dove in to just understand everything I could about the three-tier sure. distribution system, how to set things up. I mean, I do have a legal background. So the piece, you know, kind of the due diligence piece and, and right. um, doing a lot of research didn't intimidate me as much. But I think that was the first step. I would reach out to people. I watched webinars. I read books. I listened to tons and tons and tons of podcasts and everything from spirits, tequila, manufacturing. I read a book on all the women in tequila. It's a very small book to find my master distiller because I knew I wanted a female master distiller to bring this up to life. Sure. Um, so, yeah. And, and I had to learn every aspect. I mean, marketing was a huge black hole for me. I have a you know corporate strategy legal accounting background the whole marketing realm so that too i mean i took courses to learn how to use you know canva and go on instagram and i just had to teach myself but that's really the exciting part of uh, a founder's journey is the steep learning curve and that totally. every single day you're learning something totally agree uh, awesome so you did a lot of homework a lot of research you're you were good at that because you had gone through your whole legal background and degree and kind of spent a lot of time in that space how long from hey i think i'm going to launch a tequila brand to having product in hand and like what was the timing of that it took 18 months so i founded the company in february 2020 by the time I found um, a distillery, I had like done research. I narrowed it down pretty quickly, though, because it seems like there are so many tequila brands, but there are not that many distilleries that make tequila in Mexico. And so I had like certain parameters. I knew we wanted our own recipe with our own master distiller. I had to find a place that let me bring my own chef into their kitchen. I knew I wanted one that didn't produce for a lot of brands because I didn't want to buy bulk tequila and tweak it. I wanted it to be our specific recipe that they would follow. I knew I wanted them to have capabilities to scale. So I was able to kind of narrow that part down fairly quickly, find a distillery that I could use, find a master distiller. Um, and then it was a matter of it's not easy to get samples back and forth. Right. Like, you know, that's a process. Totally. I mean, crazy. Um, okay. And, and not everyone has done work in that space, but like, what, what makes it challenging to even get samples back and forth? Well, just even getting through customs and getting stopped and blocked, um, you know, so tequila, to be 100% agave tequila, it must be manufactured and bottled within certain regions of Mexico. So it actually has to, it's, it, it has to be done at the point of origin. It's like champagne can only be made in the region of champagne, sure. France, same with tequila. So, you know, there's always complexities. We were also talking about in the middle, you know, in the midst of COVID where, um, 
everything operationally freight, uh, getting glass bottles produced in there. And we have a custom glass bottle, getting that done, very difficult. Um, so the same with getting product out of Mexico. And frankly, our distillery closed a number of times for COVID outbreaks that sure. we'd be like ready to go. And, right. and they're closed. Like, oh, everything shut down. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um, okay. Talk about your process that makes it unique um, in terms of making the product. And then how did you figure out packaging? You're, I, I think your packaging is unique and cool um, and different. Yes. And I'm going to take those in reverse order because the, the first thing I actually did was come up. I knew I wanted a bottle that I would want to display Right. And that would stand out on the shelves. I love so it. I knew I wanted to look very different from a typical tequila bottle. I wanted to be light and bright. I want sleek and sophisticated. It's very minimalistic. I also made it purposefully slender in the middle so it's easy to hold and pour because I found that the big stout bottles are just hard to manipulate. So I worked with a package designer that we found, and it was also my mom and I going back and forth on a piece of paper. Oh, nice. To design Good. this bottle. Yes, I had all these things in mind. I wanted transparent in the middle. Again, coming in as a, a newcomer to uh, the CPG world, I didn't know how hard it is to do gradient paint on a right. bottle from right. you know white to clear to yeah. white. I just had this like vision, and I was like, "Can't we make it happen?" So um, <laughs> it did take some time to get that and just to get that done. And pause because not everyone has seen your product. So there's two primary products, Luna Blanco, um, which is a, a really cool white bottle, uh, like like it was described by Mara, where you can grab it in the middle and easy to pour. And then the Rosa Reposado. And it's got like what yes. it's clear in the middle, right? And then it's got white on the top and <clears throat> bottom. It's really cool. Yes. So both of them are clear so you can see what's the product that's in them. So the Luna Blanco, the reason it's different is because it's actually rested in barrels for a short time. Typically, a Blanco tequila um, is bottled right after distillation. We actually, our process takes a lot longer. It takes about 60 days just to make our Blanco tequila. Got it. Because we stabilize it for a minimum of 30 days. And then we rest it in barrels for a short time. That is how we developed sweeter tasting notes without using any additives. So traditionally, Blancos are not don't go in barrels at all. We do it as a short time, but we got those sweeter notes. Our Rosa Reposado is very unique because it's the first tequila aged in rosé wine barrels. So it is a really pretty rose gold color, and it's all natural. Many of the pink tequilas you see out there, they're adding coloring. Both of our tequilas are confirmed additive-free. So we don't add anything that's just coming from our rosé wine barrels, which we get from the south of France. Again, being a newcomer, it's kind of like not knowing what I don't know. I didn't know that rosé wine is typically a young wine that is not aged in barrels at all. So when I had this idea, I like rosé wine, I like tequila, let's age tequila in rosé wine barrels. I did not know how difficult it would be to actually source rosé wine barrels. <laughs> Where did you get those? And who figured that out? I mean, I called every, I called, I mean, I called vineyards all around the world. Um, and then I found, I called brokers everywhere. I was just very determined to, to make it happen. <laughs> Amazing. Um, okay, very, very cool. So you, you've got product, you've got packaging how did you figure out distribution it's one thing to read a lot of good books and articles about the three-tier model in the u.s especially um it's another to actually get those distributors to take it and position it with retailers and liquor stores and whatnot so how did you approach that yes so we initially started online on e-commerce and that was just kind of for a learning experience it's not traditionally where many people 
purchase alcohol. It's interesting. Consumer behavior changed a lot during COVID where they purchased things online. They still want to buy alcohol at their local retailer, but we use it as a platform. It helps us just get out there, build some brand awareness, be able to ship to 45 states online um, and have more connection to our consumer. Then we went and you need a distributor in every single state you enter into, which is why we're really thoughtful and kind of methodical about the states we enter into. I'm in Chicago, so that's my, Illinois is my backyard. So that was the first, um, you know, state that we went into with the distributor. We found a great distributor partner here who, and, you know, we interviewed and, and talked to a lot of them. I think my, the best way to find a distributor is really to find the one that is the most excited to bring your brand on. And that's kind of how we approached every single state because we know that we have to do the vast majority of the selling and placement, but um, you at least want a distributor who's excited about the product and having, you know, the brand in their portfolio. Um, I also, the way I think a lot of this is, is actually trying to earn credibility within the industry. So I think all that research I did up front and preparation Help me earn some credibility. The spirits industry is one that a lot of people have been in for a very, very long time, like a lifetime. So coming in is someone totally new. Sure. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I was really prepared. I think that was a piece of it. And then I actually competed um, last year for um, the WSWA that represents the entire wholesaler tier. I competed, they have a brand battle and I won the tequila mezcal category. So I competed live in the finals. Thank you. In Orlando in front of all of the major distributors in the country. So that actually brought a lot of awareness to the brand. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, Thank you. And okay. So now we're to the point where we've got distributors interested. How do you get, you know, buyers interested? The consumer. The, the people that you're targeting with the product, right? How do you, and you mentioned that marketing um, wasn't, you know, kind of that space wasn't your strong suit or your strength. So how did you kind of either get some help or lean into others or approach that? Yes. And if you think about it, I actually have three customers, right? I have distributors, I have retailers, and I have consumers. The people that buy it. That's right. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's speaking to all of them. So, you know, with the online piece of it, we started first with the consumers and how do we speak to them and market to them. Um, and I, again, I, in order to understand each kind of marketing channel, I interviewed a lot, a lot of agencies. So when I was looking at, for example, I was looking at organic social media, I probably interviewed like 20 organic social media agencies. And so by seeing different proposals and talking to different people and seeing their approach and everything, I was able to kind of learn about, sure. you know, different strategy tactics and what would fit for us best. Um, I created um, an all-female advisory board. So even though I had not taken on on any outside investment, I knew that I needed guidance. So I found um, very specific women that had kind of an array of backgrounds um, that could help me. So one who has a lot of consumer product, um, experience, one that has marketing experience, you know, and and also geographically diverse as well throughout the country. So those are kind of things. And I really, I have to say, I learned the most from other founders, you know, 
programs like this. I listen to all of these podcasts. I learn a ton. I get like actual tactical, practical tips, not just like theoretical. I listen to one podcast where they said what the best credit card is for (laughs) startups. I'm like, great. That is like actionable. Um, And I've created a really big founder community around me. And those are the people that I can go to. So, oh, what, you know, software are you finding helpful? What have you found helpful to, you know, get influencers and track them? And everyone has something. What have you found that's helpful to get PR on your own? Things like that. So the resources from other founders, especially that are either at your stage or a little ahead of you, that, you know, super helpful. Those are the best. And I try and share all those resources as well. I'll be like, oh, I happen to love Airtable as a platform. I just shared it to like all these founders in the community that I'm part of. I, I said, I find Airtable really simple technology for someone who's not very tech savvy to keep lots of different databases. So, things like that. I love it. That's great. Yeah. And I mean, that's why we do this, right? I mean, the, uh, just put a, a light on those that are launching growing brands and um, helping others to learn from it. It's pretty amazing. Um, okay. So, so what's been the results thus far? So how's it going? Um, you get, you've got product, you've got distributors, you got some people buying, like, has it been like, okay, now we're moving. Like now this is why I did this. Yeah. Listen, it is a constant hustle though, because there's always the next step. Um, Right. And so, yes, it's great. We started in one state, just Illinois in May of 2022. We now just launched our fifth state. But listen, that takes a lot of, you know, support. It takes a lot of time. I go and I'm physically there to launch every state and work in every market. So that's also why we have to be really strategic and careful about where we and, you know, just thoughtful in general, because like I can't, I haven't figured out the cloning process yet. I can only be in like one place at a time. So, um, and really trying to build very well. So we're trying not to go, you know, kind of too many places and not have a great presence. We're really trying to build it like inch wide mile deep and build within each market and find our supporters, find our community, um, and so that's a, more of our kind of, I, I think, strategy. But um, so very exciting that we've expanded states, the totally. number of doors we're in. But that's all great. of that, like, I want to have a personal, I wish I could have a personal relationship with like every single retailer that we're in. And it's just hard. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard, hard to, to grow. Do. It's a high class problem, right? You're growing and yes. it's hard to have that. So it's a, it's a, it's a good thing that comes with growth. Um, how have you figured out like distribution, not distribution, but like, inventory like how much to make versus what your orders are versus what you're planning for growth and how are you managing and balancing that especially when you're shipping product right that's very heavy uh from mexico into the u.s and then to distributors and whatnot yes and it's really hard to plan for that as a as a new brand that hasn't hadn't figured out the exact markets we're going to be in, right? So I go, I do this competition. These distributors want to bring us in. We're in more markets, markets that we didn't necessarily anticipate. Um, So it's very hard to plan for that very well, I'd say, at this point, because we're still trying to figure out how many markets are we going to be in next year. Totally. And our product takes a long time to produce, especially an aged product. So I go a little bit with 
Like I'd rather have a little excess inventory and know that it's here and available in the States. Totally. Because what I don't want it to happen is huh. that we have a distributor that's interested and you don't we have, have to product. tell them we don't have right. product. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. So let us know when you're back. You know, yeah. yeah, this cannot be kind of like a just in time inventory situation when it takes so much time, you know, the production process is a long lead time. Um, bottles are a long lead time. So right now I'd say we're just trying to have a, to make sure we have enough envisioning kind of what is going to, you know, transpire Got it. right now and in 2024. Makes sense. Um, what's not worked? I'm sure there's some things that did not work or agencies that did oh not God. work or product that did not work or didn't taste good or anything like what hasn't worked. Like today, no, <laughs> there's always something. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> there. <laughs> right. You're right. It could be today. It could be probably most days, right? Something doesn't work or doesn't go right. But I mean, yeah. maybe share a couple of those. I always love to highlight this for our entrepreneurs yeah. that are listening because yeah. everyone assumes it's all great. Look, yeah, I came up with a product 18 months later, 18 months, by the way, everyone, 18 months. This is not 18 weeks, 18 months. Um, but then, you know, things didn't work to make it all in the way. So I'd love to share those stories. Yeah, there are obstacles all the time. So, and I think navigating them and figuring out how to problem solve is the most important skill, honestly, as a founder. Um, initially, so I told you about getting those samples from Mexico because I couldn't get there. I was so excited. We got our first batch of samples. I could not wait. I tried them and I did not like it at all. And I just like, you have to like, like your product. Tears. I'm like, you oh my gosh. Like yes. I'm like, I, I can't, I'm not a natural salesperson. And I cannot sell something that I do not totally believe in and love. So they did not follow one small specification of how long the agave had to cool before fermentation that my master distiller, one of the, her requirements. Um, and then it was suggested, maybe we take this batch and the next batch and combine them. I was like, that does not sound like a good resolution for me. I don't want to take something bad and something good and have something mediocre. So I scrapped the entire batch. Um, and I just said, we're not going to use the whole thing. So obviously that set us back some time, financial setback. Sure. Um, but I have to believe in the quality of the product. I mean, there are, and, and there are a ton of other mishaps along the way that happened. I went to do an event, our first big event. It was at our Basel in Miami. I was so excited. First event, um, none of our rentals showed up. Oh, nothing, no. no bar, nothing. No, the rental company never showed up. They showed up when it was over at the end of the night. Oh, no. um, so I had someone making drinks in the back storage room of a retailer nice. on the floor oh, nice. to like serve while I like stood there. And I mean, you just got to so get by. There, and I was like, just put a smile on your face. Right. And <laughs> Maybe like, people won't notice. <laughs> hand out drinks, but, you know, I think you get... Um, maybe along the journey, you get kind of used to those things. And it's really about sure. um, not take, letting any of those setbacks. You try not let the highs get you too high elated or the lows get you too low. Sure. And yeah, you got to stay in the middle. Keeping some kind of steady pace, knowing that every day there's, I mean, something, I, I was on a pitch competition, a live pitch competition, and I couldn't get my deck to go up. Oh, I, I couldn't get to the show and I just did it. And I just did the I did the pitch and actually made it to the next round. I think the judges were impressed <laughs> right. and I was like, okay, can't get it. Let's just move on. I'm just gonna give it give you the pitch without the deck. <laughs> well, you just made do, right? I mean, that's what you gotta do. Yeah. 
Oh, that's awesome. Um, so cool. Um, what a great story. And I mean, I feel like you're early days, so with lots of growth in front of you. In fact, thinking about like what's next, is it new geographies? Is it additional product? Is it is it truly like expansion of what you've got? How are you thinking about that? I think it's new geographies. For us, it'll be opening additional states, building the states we're in and opening maybe a few more additional states. Got it. We're probably going to open another, you know, five states sometime in each one of next year um, and then building within those. And I think it's a big piece of probably going to be building the team too, right? So we're a really small team and that as we build geographically, we need to build the, People. the team that's right. um, as well. So yeah, I think that's key. No, that's great. It's exciting. Well, um, you're going to have to come back on and share more with us as you continue to grow. It's so exciting. Um, Mara, before we go, share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, uh, learn more, buy product, et cetera. Yes. So um, InspiroTequila.com, I-N-S-P-I-R-O, tequila.com is where you can learn about the brand and buy product. And I'm um, great on LinkedIn and I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active. That's kind of more my platform than and other social media platforms, but Mara Smith on LinkedIn. And then you can always follow Inspiro Tequila on at Inspiro Tequila on all the social media platforms. Yeah, LinkedIn's a great source for, I mean, uh, we hear this over and over and over from other founders in terms of just finding either people that have done it or can be a reference or provide input. I mean, great platform. Um, so great having you here with us today. And like I said, you got to come back on down the road. Excited for you and really appreciate you sharing some of your story with us. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. The Contender Cast is powered by Contender Brands and is the top global consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast. You can find additional Contender Cast episodes on worldwide podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, Connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. <laughs>